My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. So some of you are a bit nervous because I have put something on the tables that is a bit unusual for our class. Blank sheets of paper. It is not a coloring contest. It is not a doodling exercise. It is not a paper airplane contest. And you do not need to uh, parse any Greek verbs. Uh, That was the other option that came up. And some of you are like, I don't know what that means, and that's okay. I do that for you. Actually, the internet does that for us, so it's great. (laughs) It's very helpful. Uh, What I have talked about the last uh, week or so in this text that we're in, uh, again today, the Mark 2, 18 through 22, uh, is outlining. And if we, if we have a, a, a good understanding of how this text kind of fits together, it helps us position things so that we can uh, categorize well. Um, if you remember back when we went through Romans, uh, Paul would make a theological point And then he would give examples, and sometimes those examples were really, really long, like a chapter or two of an example. And you you get the opinion that, well, he's just not coming back. Like, I don't know, I don't know where we're going. It's a really long example. And and Mark doesn't do that because Mark has ADHD, but um, he's, he's, actually, I think Peter has ADHD, (laughs) and that's what's going on, but... um, but, but he does a little bit of that in today's text. So I'm going to read through Mark chapter 2. Um, we'll talk about what God is doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. And, uh, and we'll take a look at an outline and then a couple of points from this particular text. Now, last week's lesson was the, here's the words, here's the details, here's all the stuff. Um, so we should be good from that perspective. I won't be going through as much of the actual uh, stapled handout today as just some kind of comments around that handout. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can follow along or just feel free to listen. <clears throat> and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. 
And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. And one Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we've got this question that is highlighted on your handout. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So let's take a minute and answer that question. What is God doing in you through Mark? Yay. Before you came to Sunday school? You know, it is okay to think about things that we're going to do in Sunday school before you get to Sunday school. That is fantastic. I'm completely comfortable with awkward silence. <laughs> it was. Continual renewal and new growth. Yeah. Do you see that in the, uh, the lives of the uh, apostles in Mark? Just a little bit, right? Yeah, we did a parallel study here. Uh, with, uh, okay. Yes. wonder who that mimics. Who learns and forgets and then comes back and, I don't know, feels really familiar. No, it's us <laughs> and Daryl. <laughs> That's okay. All right, anybody else? What's God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Luke, you want me to call on you? No? You're shaking your head no just vigorously, so I'm, I'm assuming that's a yes. So that's how, I, that's how teachers interpret that. So, yeah. <laughs> He 
He's like, school's out for the summer. Let me off the hook. No. <laughs> I'm glad you've owned this title at this point. I was hoping at some point you'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to accept it. It's all right. It's good. Amen. And that as many times as I've read through the Gospel of John, that is my favorite. Uh, sometimes I believe Mark gets overlooked that yep. tiny Gospel there. Just does, even though you can get through it very quickly. Just uh, so much new stuff yep. that you can still from. Amen. I saw something on the uh, probably the worst source for a theological uh, content, uh, Twitter, this week. And it said, uh, uh, it said, a hard heart comes and hears the gospel and says, oh, I've heard this before. And a humble heart hears the gospel and says, oh, but I need this again. I thought that was pretty good. And I felt like that's what you just said. So I just wanted to paraphrase Matt Smethurst is the account you should follow if you have a Twitter account and are not. So there's that. Excellent. All right. So if you were, so the next is we move down our handout on page 64 there, uh, 63 there, sorry. Um, <clears throat> when we get to the, are there any literary or structural observations? Um, if you were to create an outline for Mark 2, 18 through 22, what would it look like? So here's what I want you to do. Everybody grab one of those blank pieces of paper, if you would. And if there's more than six people at your table, we have them elsewhere, and that'll work. So everybody's got one sheet of paper. It's blank. Hopefully there's some pens out on the table. We've got a couple of pens here or there. And if... It was the homework, Darla, yes. And I, and I counted on you doing the homework. So you can help guide your table through what the, the right answer is. Excellent. Oh, okay. So you're not going to share. Okay. That sounds like Christ-like too. Yeah. Do it yourself. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me fix your sentence there, Doug. See what you get to live with. <laughs> All right. So your homework was, in fact, to create an outline for Mark 2, 18 through 22. How many of you did your homework this week? So just Darla. I just want the record to show, the podcast for all time to show. Darla Skinner did her homework uh, on June the 2nd, 2019, as she does every week. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not going to go to Daryl's class. I'm not letting you go to Daryl's class. <laughs> all right, so here's what I'm talking about when I say an outline. Your outline can look like this, like one, two, three, there you go. Your outline can have subsections. Your outline can have however you feel. Like this is intended to get your creative uh, juices flowing. How would you structure? How would you arrange? What parts of this few verses go together? If you've never done anything like this before, there will be people at your table who have seen an outline before. I'm actually going to take that one off the screen because y'all are going to think that's the right answer. I actually think, I, I would propose that this is blatantly not the right answer, but we'll get there in just a second. So, so I'll give you a minute to think through, and 
So this is open book. <laughs> it's my favorite quote from Brian right now. <laughs> like, you can look at the text. So this is 18 through 22. No other verses, but 18 through 22. So how would you structure or arrange, or what would you call uh, these verses in 18 through 22? I will give you a tip. If you are not used to looking at Scripture and thinking about how things fit together, <clears throat> this, this feeling that you have right now is good exposure to Bible study. Because <clears throat> this is part of what this is. All right, looks like most of you have made some progress. So now we're going to switch from the individual work to the table work. So let's start sharing at our table what you have gotten so far. And we'll see if we can come to some degree. And I'm not looking for unanimous consensus here, right? Because there's a billion ways to do outlines. Um, Luke's got an outline. Yes, there we go. Something written on the page. This is good. So the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm getting you ready for the sermon this morning. Because if you haven't already opened up your bulletin, some of you have panicked. Uh, there are no blanks in the bulletin this morning. There are no words other than, I think, notes in the bulletin this morning. So it's okay. All right, so have a conversation at your table. Share what you've got. And... Uh, All right, let's see if we can uh, come together and see if we've got a little alignment here. So did anybody learn anything new or have a different perspective when somebody else at your table shared? <clears throat> yeah, outlines are like, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder almost, right? So uh, let's, let's talk through this for just a second. And... Uh, this is the messy part of Sunday school and group work and that kind of thing. So if it feels weird, that's all right. It kind of is. Um, if you get anything from reading through the New Testament is that uh, the life that we are living is not going to be uh, perfect. And we get the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to help us through this process with each other. So it's a good thing. Um, so just looking at this from a literary perspective, verses 18 through 22, uh, who is talking in verse 18? So who's talking in verse 18? Who? The people, right? Yeah, the people. And the people came and said to him, da, 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 right? Who is talking in verses 19 through 22? All right, cool. So if you're looking for a super simple literary perspective, like question, answer, right? You see that? Does that make sense? Did anybody pick up on that? Like, here's your like two big, broad categories you could drive trucks through. Now, you can get like way, 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 way detailed inside each one of those. Um, what was one of the big, like the big buckets that you put this text into? Somebody shout out. Question, answer. Yeah, literally, like that was, that was mine. It was, it was like the word question and then the word answer. Like, yep, as he almost always does, right? It's this... It's this inception kind of questioning of, you're just like, uh, right? All right. What else? Other big buckets to put this text into, 18 through 22. Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah. 
Okay, but look, verses 18 through 22, what are your big buckets that you would outline? So that's a great like, uh, principle that we could draw from. That, and we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But like the text itself, how would you... So stay in the literary mode. We're, we're getting way down. Yeah. Right? So, so Jesus takes this idea, this question, and he redirects it somewhere else. Did you get this? Yes. Right? Because Jesus is going to talk about what Jesus wants to talk about. This is, this is a, this, it's not about what? It's not about the nail. It's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, so, so does Jesus sort of kind of answer their question in verse 19? Could, could you pair up verses 19 and 20 and be like, here's the, the, principle of the answer like you see those 19 and 20 are kind of connected there right and then you feel this literary shift in verse 21 you're like so we we were talking about fasting and then we went to weddings and now we're in sewing and then we go to wine because what are verses 21 and 22 they're examples that's exactly right they're examples of what jesus is trying to get across because if you go through and you read the gospels you'll see that jesus is going to make a point and then he's going to go, I understand that you totally didn't get that. So now I'm going to talk to you about things that you actually understand. And away we go. Now, if you look at his examples, what are his examples? And I heard you say it, brother. And I, I mouthed the words bingo to Jay when you said it. So I need you to say it again. Because you use the words new and the word old. Because if you look at verses 21 and 22, this is what is going on here. I know. That's why I'm trying to get you to do it. So I want it to lift up a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's right. Right. So outlining is what does the text say? How do we structure it? Because that process helps us get to... And that's okay. Sorry. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't because that helps us understand like what it is and what it isn't. Because there's a process of going from the big picture grouping down to here are the principles that we can draw from. And what happens is when we try to jump straight to the principle, we can get really, really frustrated because somebody hears, somebody say, well, this is the principle. And you look at the text and you're like, how did you get there? Like you skipped 13. I mean, this is the guy in your math class in high school. That when the teacher put the question on the board and the guy was like, this is the answer. And everybody in the room went, what, 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 like, I don't, what just happened there? I got confused. I'm not sure what's going on, right? So the process is very helpful because there are some texts like this one that can be pretty complicated. And there are some texts that are like super, super simple. So if you look at verses 21 and, what's that? That's right. Because what happens when you, when you blend the old and the new? You have a problem, right? I, I wrote down somebody in our uh, in our Wednesday night series uh, in uh, Saudi Daisy. We just finished it up. We only got through Mark chapter eight in like five months, which I thought was a breakneck speed. Like it was whiplash every day. Whiplash, I say. Uh, but somebody said um, you get holy theology and spilled doctrine when you combine the old and the new. And I was like, I see what you did there. And it was really awful. But that's okay. So no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. You've got the, uh, the new combined with the old. 
the patch, if he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear is made. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine is destroyed, so are the skins, but new wine is for fresh wineskins. So he's got these examples that are fleshing out what he's talking about in verses 20 and 21, or verses uh, 19 and 20. So if, you, if he's fleshing out this concept of new and old in 21 and 22, and it's explaining 19 and 20, what's he talking about in 19 and 20? He's still talking about new and old, is what he's talking about in 19 and 20, without actually using those terms. Now, we talked about last week, who is the bridegroom? Jesus is the bridegroom, all right? So put Jesus in the space of the bridegroom here. Can the wedding guests fast while Jesus is with them? And who are the wedding guests in this example? His disciples, right. Can my disciples fast while I am with them? As long as they have Jesus, they cannot fast. We're talking about new and old. New has come. What model, what construct, what theological framework were they under at this point? The law, right. So now we're getting to like step eight in the process. Excellent. Gold star, A plus, there you go. But I don't want to skip the process because the process matters. So does this make sense? I'm getting like, oh, I think I see what you're saying here. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, because when we slow down a little bit and like, say God gave us a book. So we have to study it as a book. And it is a living book. It is different than any other book in the universe that will ever be written. But we have to study this as a book. So let's go back then to verse 18. What was the original question? Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? What is Jesus saying to the answer? It's a new day. I'm not John. I'm not the Pharisees. See, even in this question about fasting, Jesus is making a statement, I am different. And when we, some, we look at this and we're like, oh, fasting. We should, should we, well, we should fast right now because Jesus is not with us now. Absolutely. That's a great application of this. But that's not the main point. The main point is Jesus is not John. And John would not argue with that. And the main point is Jesus is not the Pharisees. And the Pharisees would certainly not argue with that, right? <laughs> they would be thrilled for Jesus to say that he is not one of them. But there's a lot going on in this particular text. Does that make sense? So why do you fast? Let me, let me back up and ask that question. I probably should have asked that one earlier. Does anybody know why you fast? Has anybody done fasting? And I don't mean like, okay, so it's popular now for some uh, way. I see this in Facebook in the ads, right? The, uh, like you can fast for 20 days and lose, I don't know, 19 pounds. And I'm like, I don't think you're doing it right. I'm like that's... That's not what this is. This is not for like slimming figure stuff. Like what in the Bible, why do you fast? Like what is, what is associated with fasting? There's, there's like one other action that's associated with fasting, like just nonstop. It's prayer, right? Right. So there's prayer and fasting. So what do you like? What is what is the fasting for? Yeah, this is, there's, there's an element of focus. What else? Yeah, it's drawing closer to the Lord. Exactly right. So that this is being aware of my need and redirecting that, because when your stomach growls, you are aware of it. 
like every human that's ever lived, your stomach growls, you are aware of it. This is one thing that nobody ignores. And then we immediately go try to fix that, right? So this is a redirection toward, I'm sensing my own need. I'm going to redirect toward the Lord and acknowledge that my need of Him. And drawing closer, I literally had that in my notes written exactly like that. I feel like you leaned over my shoulder. Yes, that's right. So He is the fulfilling as opposed to uh, physical food, right? Absolutely. So, so when we take that aspect and add it into the text, that God does the filling, look at the text again. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Because they are being filled already with Christ. He is there. He is doing the filling. He is making the difference. He is bridging that gap. Now, he is the, ah, thank you. There we go. Now we're getting it. Now, you, you see how this works, right? So you, you begin to knock over these dominoes. You're like, wait, so you mean that other thing Jesus said is connected to this? Yes, that's exactly how it works. The whole thing fits together. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Now, let's explore 21 and 22 for a second. So no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth. Who's the unshrunk cloth? Jesus is the unshrunk cloth, right? On an old garment. What's the old garment? The law, the Old Testament law. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And none of us have ever experienced trying to put grace and law together, have we? That works so, so well. Oh, yes. And that, that shirt is so comfortable to wear. I mean, it just fits just right. I, I am actually exceedingly irritated right now and have been for about 20 minutes actually 25 minutes because my I, I wear undershirts right this is my little undershirt right here and my right sleeve on my undershirt has worked its way up and I, and this is one of those slim fitting shirts so I it's like usually I wear the the normal size shirt where you can like drive a Mack truck and you can fix what it, it's there's no reaching in and a, like it is driving me nuts and when we started class, before we started class, I put the, the mic on, and I, I felt it move, and I was like, oh, no, I don't have time to fix this now. And I realize now what this is. This is the Lord's way of saying, you see how uncomfortable this is, right? This is when we try to take Jesus and bolt him on to our existing theology. Jesus is not a bolt-on. He is it. Everything else has to get stripped away. You don't get to combine him with other stuff. It's not a buffet theology, right? You don't go to the Golden Corral and I'll have a little Jesus and I'll have a little Paul and I'll have a little Moses and I'll have a little... No, 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 no. If Jesus isn't the only dish, you got a problem. Does this make sense? And then you look at verse 22... And I love this because 21 deals with things that are not alive and verse 22 deals with things that are alive. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. This is, this is the equivalent of hearing that lesson or hearing that sermon where you went, I don't think this person's thought this all the way through. Because if what they're saying is true, then it breaks this verse and this verse and this verse and this verse. The theology explodes and it makes a mess. Right? You ever heard a sermon where you're like, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't think that fits with the rest of Scripture. Right? 
This is one of the reasons that in this class that we take a book of the Bible and we start at the beginning, we go all the way through. We don't skip stuff. Because when you skip stuff, you can, you can have all sorts of neat systems that make things work. But when you don't skip stuff, like, what do you do with this wine that's all over the floor, right? We have to deal with this. So this is what that looks like. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine's destroyed and so are the skins. But new wine is, and this is the, like, this is Jesus going cherry on top. Okay. New wine. Who is the new wine in the example here? Who are the fresh wine skins? The disciples, right? Now, I have no idea because the text doesn't tell us how much of this the Pharisees got. There are other portions of the New Testament in the Gospels that talk about that massive numbers of people had no idea what Jesus was actually talking about. Right. He, had, he literally had to go take them aside and be like, okay, guys, A, B, C, right? Stepping them through very systematically the process of making sure that they understood how we got to where we're at and what these things meant. So statistically speaking, based off of what the rest of the Scripture tells us in the New Testament, I would say the Pharisees probably didn't get it. Because when the Pharisees didn't get it, we usually have a little additive at the end of this, the story. that's like, and they got angry, and Jesus had to leave. Or somebody uh, got really furious, and they had to go to a new place. But we don't see that in this particular text. So, next time somebody asks you a question about some theological thing or some religious practice, Bring the conversation back to Jesus as quick as possible. Because this is what he did. He redirects the fasting back to himself. And that I am the new. I am the new. And I am completely incompatible with the old. Now, it didn't mean he abolished the law. He fulfilled it all. This mind-bogglingly challenging, amazing thing. And he fulfills it even while he's doing stuff like in verses 23 through 28, which is next week's text. So you're blank on your handout at the back of page 66. Next week, we will start with verse 23. And I'm going to ask you the exact same question I asked you a few weeks ago, which is how in the world did Jesus not sin in verses 23 through 28? Meditate on that one this week. So that's our Sunday school lesson for today. Your weekly update is on the table. So if you've got uh, any prayer requests to update, any new ones or old ones, uh, please do that. And uh, after you have prayed as a table, uh, you are dismissed to go into the sanctuary and worship this one whom it is all about. He is the new. And I beg us to leave our old behind because it is incompatible with the new. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.